The Bible Study Podcast, episode 107. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the Gospel of Luke with the end of chapter 3. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As we get in here to chapter 3 in Luke, I mentioned last week that this isn't necessarily my favorite section of Luke. In fact, it's probably one of my least favorites, and that's the genealogy of Jesus. For one thing, I've got to try and pronounce all of these names, and I guarantee I won't be doing it correctly. But I will do it with confidence, which is how I recommend you read the Bible when you read it in public. But I should note that these verses have been very important at times to some groups of people. I know that there are churches in the Philippines, for instance, that when the Wycliffe Bible translators went to translate the Bible into their language, they saved some of these genealogies, Matthew's genealogy and Luke's, till the end because they did all the important verses first. And when they got to those verses, the people said, why didn't you do these first? Because this was a culture that placed great value on genealogies. And they said, now we know what you're telling us is true. Well, the culture of Jesus' time also placed importance on genealogies, and so this is one of the reasons why these verses are in the Bible. One thing we should say is that Matthew and Luke both present genealogies, Matthew tracing Jesus back to Abraham because he's writing for a Jewish audience, and Luke tracing Jesus back to Adam because he's writing again for a more universal audience. And the interesting thing, the first interesting thing you notice when you go to compare the two is Joseph's father is given as different people, and there's a different genealogy in the two places. The most common understanding, the most common belief by commentators, is that Luke's genealogy is actually the genealogy of Mary. And it's quite possible, since Mary has a sister, is listed in the Bible, but there are no lists of brothers that... Joseph has taken over his father-in-law's line, and that Luke is tracing it that way. We don't know for sure, but that's certainly the most common commentary explanation for the difference between the two. So Luke 3, starting at verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And so this is the start of Jesus' ministry when he goes to John the Baptist, and he is baptized himself. Luke's account of this is shorter than some of the other accounts, so you can check Matthew and Mark and John's accounts on these to see a little more detail. But the most important thing is that at the time of his baptism, he is told from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. And remember that, because we'll be coming back to that. And then the genealogy in verse 23. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Mattathias, the son of Semien, the son of Zokech, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Er, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, 
the son of Jorim, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Elakim, the son of Meliah, the son of Mena, the son of Mattatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Solomon, the son of Nashon, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Herzon, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Surug, the son of Ruah, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Kenan, the son of Arphazad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. We're not going to talk about all of the people in here. For one thing, we don't have information about all of them, but I want to point out a couple names that you should have recognized, and that probably would be David. The King David, the son of Jesse, is listed in this genealogy. If this is Mary's genealogy, then we're saying that Mary also is a descendant of David. And the other name that would stand out here would be Judah, because David was of the lineage of the tribe of Judah. And then Judah, obviously the son of Isaac, Abraham. And so that's how we tie into the patriarchs through this line. And in the line between Abraham and Adam, obviously we're going also through the line of Noah, because we would want to trace through the line of Noah because everyone else having been drowned. And Adam is listed as the son of God because God created him. The only other thing about this section of verses that I want to point out is that it does start with saying that Jesus was about 30 when he began his ministry. 30, as I understand, would also be the age that someone would enter into the priesthood, which might be the significance of that number. And then continuing on into Luke 4, we get immediately after this the temptation of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. So this is the first temptation that he has, and it's a very simple one. He's been in the wilderness for 40 days, and he's hungry. Now, a couple significant things. 40 is, obviously, the number of years that the children of Israel wandered in the desert, and 40 is a number which means a long time. And it is common that it is a number that is associated with this sort of thing. The reason we have 40 days in Lent is related to this also. It's a time of preparation. And so Jesus is being prepared for his ministry. It goes immediately from baptism here to temptation. And did you notice that at baptism, Jesus is told, you are my son. And the very first temptation he gets is, if you are the son of God. A couple things we can see is the devil will attack us when we are weak. The devil will challenge whose we are. The devil will challenge our identity. In my experience, the devil either wants us to think too highly of ourselves or wants us to think too lowly of ourselves, wants us to either fall into the ditch at the right or the left of this straight road. And of course, the subtle thing about this particular temptation is there's nothing wrong with eating. And if Jesus has the power to turn rocks into stones, why shouldn't he do it? Well, he's here because he's been sent here. 
He's supposed to be preparing for his ministry. And so Jesus answers, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. And we'll note that Jesus' response is quoting the Bible. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3. And one of the reasons that we study the Bible, and a good reason to memorize at least certain verses in the Bible, is to prepare ourselves to battle temptation. And it continues, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6.13. Notice that Jesus does not challenge that all of these kingdoms have been given to the devil. He is the prince of this world. Adam, the other son of God we mentioned, having given in to the temptation of the devil, the devil has now a hold on this world. Paul calls Jesus in Corinthians the last Adam and the second man, meaning that this is a reenactment in some ways of that first temptation, where Adam gives in for an apple, Jesus doesn't give in for the whole world. It reminds me of a scene from the movie The Man for All Seasons, if you've seen that, where someone gives false witness and is given control over whales. And Sir Thomas More sees this badge that he is wearing that says he is in charge of whales and quotes the scripture and says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? But for whales? But Jesus is offered, very literally, the whole world. And so it's a very simple thing. All you have to do is worship the devil, and he'll give you all of this. And Jesus, of course, knows that that is the first commandment, is to worship God only. And so the devil goes on. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said... Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. The devil himself in this example is quoting scripture, because the devil knows scripture. And so he gives him this interesting challenge. It says, sort of prove yourself. Give us a sign here. The scripture says that he will protect you. If you throw yourself off here, the angels will catch you. And it does say that. But Jesus also knows something else. It knows the context of this. You could pull one verse out of the Bible to mean something different. But Jesus understands the context of the Bible is that you shouldn't put God to the test. And so Jesus knows scripture. Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows whose he is. And he understands that he should do what God calls him to do. And he ignores the devil, and the devil goes away for a time. The devil will always come back, and he comes back. When we say opportune, we don't mean opportune for us. Usually inopportune for us, but opportune for him. A time when we are more susceptible to temptation. With that, we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions, feel free to comment on thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. 
Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.